Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fave Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined here once again by the rest of the K-Fave crew. Introducing first, he's the king of the K-Fave kickflip, Mr. Wex Breaking Lawson. Wex, how we living today, bud? Man, we're living pretty good on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, Thursday. Had a little car issues, but I got that taken care of enough in time to make it ready for this episode and i'm ready to talk some uh some current shit some nostalgia you know this is one of the last few episodes so you know i had to be here had to make it i love it i love it i love it it's good to see your beautiful face and uh last but not least the spectacular vernacular himself mr jesse baker how we doing bud man doing all right just hanging out out here in whore trace with my very intrusive puppy dog and uh Ready to talk about this? I, you know, third to last episode, man. It's hard to believe. Uh, a little, 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 little sad, a little crazy, a little all that fun stuff. But kind of figured we would, uh, you know, take a little bit of a, a look back and do a comparison format mm. for everybody, right? Quick. So we're gonna we're gonna have that for you. But yeah, man, I'm doing pretty well, dude. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I missed last week. Um, my kids, like they both have birthdays within like a week of each other, and I had to do the whole dad thing. It was awesome. Great birthdays. Got some cool stuff. Got a hoverboard in there. I uh, got got a laser tag whole setup thing that was really fun. So yeah, man, it's been a good week. But yeah, like Jesse said, man, there's three shows left, so we're gonna put a bow on this entire series. It's been Almost five long years, man, for me. And it's been about, what, three years for you guys, yeah, right? About yeah. three. About three for you guys. So it's pretty wild. I mean, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. And I do have some more announcements at the end of the show. Uh, but today we are doing a nostalgia episode, like Jesse said. It is WrestleMania season. So we're talking about, uh, again, it's like towards the end of the show. And I think we've talked about probably both these shows in different at different times and different like comparisons. But Today, we're doing WrestleMania 14, which from 1998 versus WrestleMania 19, which is, I mean, it's just, that's a great, like, little five-year jump. But just considering how crazy the business was and and that five short years, you can visually see the massive difference from 98 to 2004, 2003, um, 2003. Yeah, yeah, man, that's it's crazy. I'm excited about it. Wax, how you feel about these WrestleManias, man? I mean, yeah, they're both uh, – it's crazy. It's like, you know, it's the beginning of Stone Code and the end of Stone Code, you know? Yeah. Five years. That's all it was. That's crazy. That is so crazy. Yeah. Jeez, man. It's wild. Jesse, way to pick them, man. Way to pick them. Hey, man. I mean, don't blame me for the numbers. It's, we got 25 years ago and 20 years ago. You know how I like them? Anniversaries, so. Yeah, we do. We do. We do indeed. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this show, though, uh, let's talk about the dirt, baby. Wex, give me the skinny. <laughs> Always skinny around here is uh, I still think that Vince McMahon is secretly running WWE without the Omos and Brock Lesnar match. And uh, kind of, uh, I'll talk a little bit about WrestleMania real quick. Uh, we're supposed to have two nights. There's, and we have one more week until the big show. And there's still really not enough matches really to fill out two nights. So, as of right now, so what do you think is going to happen? Do you think like what surprise matches? Do you think going to be introduced in the next week that we don't already know about? Uh, I think we're going to get one big surprise thing. Uh, probably a Stone Cold match or inv- or at least massive segment. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think The Rock's going to be at this WrestleMania. Um, again, I don't think he's going to wrestle Roman, but he might. Like if he costs Roman the title, that'd be a good setup. Cody can go on his way. 
See what I'm saying? Like, I, I just think that I, I think that the matches are going to be longer and they're gonna, there's going to be more focus on them, which is great. I don't want to watch nine hours of wrestling. You know what I'm saying? I don't want I don't want two six hour long shows. Give me two nah. three hour long shows. That's fine. Just do that. I'm totally fine with that. Like, so and of course, I you know I think we're gonna get to see some more. Uh, you know, they'll figure out a way to, to, you know, we got that new tag team challenge match that just got announced and there's, there's going to be, you know, some other little singles matches that, that just dribble in perfectly there. You know what I mean? Like it'll happen. Well, plus we got, there was supposed to be what Wyatt Lashley and now apparently Wyatt is like outskis. So everybody's got to wonder what's going to happen with Lashley, which very easily could be one of the bigger, like old school legend name surprises. Wait, is he hurt? Did he walk away again? What happened? Wyatt, apparently, the rumor is that he's out. They said injured, but... No, no, th- no, they didn't say injured. They said a undisclosed illness. Either way, apparently, the truth about it is it's creative, and the writer that worked the most closely with Bray throughout all of Bray's wacky stuff has been fired. Got booted. Nick, or something. And, uh, <laughs> like, so, I mean, I think basically they just saw... Look, there was no real return except for the Mountain Dew money they got, and it was a good build to an intro, and everything else fell flat as fuck. Dude, yeah. if the, if if this is true, this has got to be literally the worst ever, like big signing comeback in pro wrestling history. Take like, the money, take take the WrestleMania match though. At least at this point, it's like they've ruined you enough. Just go go take go do the job to to. To Lashley, get a million bucks out of it, and then it's just probably stop. not Bray's yeah. fucking call. Yeah, that's true. Like, they're probably just, like, do we want to do another Mountain Dew pitch black match? And it, what no. sucks too about that is that like he's just a. It's so sad because it's like he is so good. He's a good wrestler. He's an amazing promo. He's probably the best actor that we've seen as a WWE superstar in a long time, and I'm including in The Rock and Cena and Batista. He's probably the best actor out of all of them. Like, I think I think though that when you get the whole I, again, this is rumor shit. I don't fucking work backstage at WWE, so I don't know. But when you get rehired and it's this big thing where everybody kind of knows about it, and there's all this excitement, and you get creative freedom, and ultimately, for whatever reason, whether it be his fault, backstage fault, who knows, but all that shit doesn't pan out. You have all this confusing ass Uncle Howdy shit. Alexa Bliss has been out now, and like yeah, she had cancer. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Well, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's a whole different thing to where it's like somebody back there is probably just saying this shit's going nowhere. Go home for a while. We need to repackage something and figure this out. But I'm betting you money that he doesn't have final call on what that creative is upon his return. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it sucks. So who knows? But I mean, there's enough. There are enough other what they refer to as marquee matches that are happening on this whole thing that like I don't you know, I mean, fuck, Orton might be the surprise at this point. I've heard that that's a rumor that Orton could be popping back up around WrestleMania as a surprise. Put Bray and Kerry and Cross in the program. I feel like that would work. You got two returning guys. Eh, I think Kerry and Cross is washed at this point, to be of honest. Of course he is. That's what I'm saying. They did the same thing. It's exactly the same story as Bray. People are hyped. Oh, they're going to do it right. And then he comes back and they still book him like shit. Like, it's like, okay, Dude. well. <laughs> well, uh, uh, well, let's go ahead and uh, transition into. What happened last night, uh, AEW Dynamite, and Adam Cole cut a promo that had a crazy throwback to the burial line that he had against Karrion Cross when he said, 
So they bring you in here. They make you feel special. They give you the entrance. They give you all the stuff. You know what makes me special? When they ring the freaking bell. Yeah. And then he had a promo against Daniel Garcia last night and made a reference. And he was like, you know what makes me special? When they ring the freaking bell. And I was like, ooh, that that cut me deep back to that throwback. Because after that, Karrion Cross's career is just went down the drain. Yeah. After Adam Cole cut that promo on him, like, has he ever recovered? No, I mean, he's not a, but the thing is too, is that like, he's not a, you're right. He's not, he, we are really spoiled with amazing professional wrestlers. Like he's not a bad wrestler. He's not bad. No, he's, he's not, not bad, great, but he's, but he's not bad. And he's a pretty good character. If he was booked well, he'd be fine. Undertaker. Was he a great in-ring wrestler? No, he's pretty good. He's pretty he's good. Right. He had, a, good, he he had great. a decent little run, like the early 2000s, like late 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Later on in his career, it's kind of like John Cena, right? Like John yeah, Cena, like once 2015, they, like, I mean, 2016, that open, you open, you know, US open challenge, long, killed it. You know, like, if you're not getting better after all those years, come on now. I just think that banker haircut on his return to WWE fucking killed him. He just looks like Joe Blow fucking wrestling fan. This is Karrion Cross again, pronouns, pal. But yeah, He needs to be bald. Makes him look better. I agree. I also feel like, you know, they put him in an in TV, or on TV feud with Rey Mysterio while we all know that Rey is aimed towards this other situation. Yeah. So it was kind of just pointless. It's like, yeah. you're going to be the 800th guy that tried to steal Rey's mask? Like, what yeah. the fuck does that do for you? Yeah. So I feel like carrying and break would have been money. It'd been a way to do it right away, and you wouldn't have to involve. It's like it's like a built-in story thing. It doesn't affect any of your other writing. It's just that whole new storyline you can just use. Right there. Like, you don't have to throw him into these other weird mixes like L.A. Knight and Rey Mysterio. It's like, what What are we doing? What's happening? Right. Like, they ain't doing nothing. But Adam Cole, hell of a fucking wrestler. I can't wait to see him come back. I know he was dealing with Agreed. concussion shit. He was supposed to be back next week. But uh, Dynamite was fucking great this week. Very different. They had an ongoing narrative, like a story from the beginning. The Young Bucks got taken out. Kenny Omega had his big uh, main event match, which we'll get to that in a minute. But, dude. The whole show was like paced out very well. Had a little burper there, but uh, <laughs> paced out great. Uh, but that main event, like the whole like ongoing looming thing of like what's going, like who 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 took him down, and then the Blackpool Combat Club were like being Mega Hills, just beating the fuck out of Stu Grayson after the match, and then later on in the main event, you know, beating some people down. But dude, that match, Kenny Omega and. El Hijo del Vikingo, that, that's how you say it. I don't know, but uh, the son of the Viking is what it's supposed to be. The Viking luchador, goddammit, that motherfucker is amazing. I, I, I knew he was good, and we were supposed to get this match back uh, before Kenny Omega got injured for the AAA Mega Championship, which he is the current Mega Champion. Yeah. And dude, like I'll say this again here, one of the best matches I've ever seen on free live TV and one of like just the best matches ever. Definitely one of my favorites. AW recently has been putting on some of the just some of the best in-ring shit like in the modern era. Yeah, I mean they're they're absolutely killing it in the ring. I mean, there's no d- doubt about that. I'm glad to hear that their narratives are getting better week to week cuz I got to be honest, man, for a while like the matches weren't enough for me. It wasn't enough, and like the storylines got really boring and not very well put together. They were, they were, you know, almost all, they were very WCW-ish storylines that just weren't very tangible. Uh, the ring product never got bad. It was never bad. I mean, the matches have always been good with AEW, always. And I understand, like, if that's the most important thing to you, yeah, you'd be like elated. 
And I always thought that like that was might have been one of the more important things to me, but realistically, maybe it's just my old age. But like I, I, I want the soaps, baby. Give me the soaps. I need to care. If I don't care, I don't I don't it doesn't matter how great the ring work is. If I don't care about the story, I'm out. Hey. Well the story they've been doing is great. The whole hangman Adam Page, like the young bucks get, you know, fucked up. Yeah. He leaves with him in the ambulance. Don Cowell stops him's like, No, you got this big match. And then like that's like the whole ongoing narrative throughout the night like who beat him up and then at the very end after Kenny goes to this crazy fucking match he get coming he's getting beat down by the Blackpool Combat Club Adam Page makes his return in the ambulance to save Kenny he's got the like you know former tag team partner but you know they had their differences he's going in there to save him and then Don Callis basically pulls the Eddie Guerrero like he falls to the mat and is like oh Kenny he he hit me he hit me and then Kenny's like you know what? And he's like, no, I'm trying to save you. He's got the spike goddamn two by four. Yeah. And then, then, you know, there's like the tension, like, you know, Don Callis being the snake. So, like, I feel like he set up the hit on the Bucks, and it's not really the Blackpool Combat Club. They're swerving us here. Like, there's just, he just happened to be involved. You know, like, yeah, it's good stuff. It's a, one of them it's inner, actual story layer line. after layer. It's good actual shit. It, it's line. getting me, yeah. you know, ooh, I actually want to watch Dynamite. Yeah, I love that. They need that for sure. I'm excited about it. Excited about the future of AEW, but it's time to talk about the past. Let's jump into the meat and taters of this thing. Mr. Jesse Baker, I'm going to let you just, uh, I'm going to give you the wheel here. You take the helm and um, you lead us where we're going, bud. All right, all right, all right. So, like I said, we are going to be doing a comparison format like we are known to do. WrestleMania 19, March 30th of 2003. This is a couple months before I graduated high school. Same, uh, same. 20 years ago. Fucking kind of silly to think about. This emanated from Seattle, Washington. They set an attendance record for Safeco Field. And this card, in retrospect, is kind of insane. But at the time, you know, I guess a lot of people didn't really know what was going to be so insane about all of it. But I'm just going to fucking go into the beginning of it, man. I mean, we get, as always, a stellar opening video package. Some recap of WrestleMania's past. But this is from the perspective of talent that are on the show, as opposed to just clips from old manias it was really well done it's put together fantastically got a little uh, america the beautiful rendition courtesy of ashanti which was a hell of a throwback right there and we go into the very first match this is a wwe cruiserweight title match between matt hardy this is version one versus Rey mysterio getting inducted into the hall of fame finally this year and yeah. in this iteration has his best Ben Affleck Daredevil copy costume going on. Great Um, costume, by the way. It was stellar, except you could tell, like, this is one of the classic examples of Ray constantly having to jerk his mask down during that. I mean, it it was just that it wasn't distracting because it made his work worse. It was distracting because you're like, what the fuck happens if this happens at the exact wrong millisecond? You know what I mean? There's this air of danger. You've got uh, Shannon Moore, Matt Hardy's little MFer hanging out on the uh, outside the whole time. It was a really, really, really great match. Maybe a little janky, but it was a really great opener. I gave it three beers. Uh, what do you guys remember about this match? Wex, I'm going to throw to you. Oh, yeah, classic, uh, like you said, that Daredevil gear. And I, I love the Matt Hardy version one whole thing. Uh, Shannon Moore has always kind of been just like a joke, like a turd his whole career. The Prince yeah. of Punk, uh, no matter if he, when he was in TNA, WCW, WWE, Shannon Moore's always been like that 
lower level mid card guy, but I mean, he served his purpose in this shit. And it, it is a classic match. And uh, I agree, Jesse, somewhere around three beers right there in the middle. I do love the Daredevil gear, even though that Ben Affleck movie fucking sucked. Yeah. Had the same Evanescence songs like 18 times. Yeah. I mean, I, I Wait, thoroughly. Me. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this Matt Hardy cruiserweight run with like the wetsuits and him trying to cut weight. And like, I remember all oh, the yeah. TVs leading up to it. This is really good stuff. This was like the first time that I was like, okay, all right, Matt Hardy's got something too. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just, he's not just the backup. He's not just the Marty Jannetty. You know what I'm saying? Like he's oh, definitely yeah. got his own thing. And, um, I thought the match was great. I mean, like, again, I haven't rewatched these. So like, but I do remember like, this is one of those ones that I would like, watch a lot like i remember this one being a match that stood out as a really quality match um i I would probably go like three and a half maybe even four beers on it like above average i thought it was an above average match definitely a wrestlemania worthy match um but i I agree that the the, i remember the mask thing being distracting and i actually felt like it went like i know it was an opener and it's supposed to be a banger and i get it's wrestlemania but i do feel like the match went a little bit longer than it needed to be you know what i mean like just a little bit not by much. Maybe take the shave like three or four minutes off, and it would have been rated a little bit higher. But I'd say like three and a half, maybe four. Yeah, I'm with you there. It was a little long, but you rated it higher than I did, so there. But now we're going to ping pong back to five years before this. 25 years ago, March 29th, one day prior, five years, 1998, Fleet Center, Boston, Massachusetts. Yep. I do think I inaccurately said Safeco Field was in Boston. It's not as in Seattle, Washington. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh. This was just under 20,000 attendees. This is WrestleMania fucking 14. Yeah. The attendance record set in Seattle was 54,000 plus just five years later. So just take that into account for what you will. Pretty fucking nuts. But people would argue that the business was hotter in 98, which is crazy. I know. It's, I mean, it's just monumental. It's factually not true. Like, just not. But. As always, WrestleMania 14 opens with another stellar video package. This one is a little bit more old footage of Manias, things like that. Obviously, they touch on the main event feud to come. But the cold live open after the video is straight to the Nation of Domination coming to the ring for a 15-tag team battle royal for a tag team title shot at Unforgiven. 13 other teams are in the ring. We see NOD come down, so Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler can kind of give a little bit of a commentary read. And then we get a stellar pop at the return and rebranding and revamping of LOD 2000. Oh, God, that was with Sonny. Yeah. Alongside Great outfits, though. Great outfits. I mean, you could tell they had a little bit of trouble getting into the ring, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I will say, pop-wise, that music hit, that What a Rush, and I mean... Massive. Fucking Road Warrior pop, bro. Still happened. It was... That part was awesome. The match, I have to give it a beer just because of the LOD and the Sunny pop, and the fact that Sunny and Cornette are outside of the ring just working the outside the entire fucking time. That was some of the most entertaining aspects of it. They had a bunch of run-ins, despite the fact that there were already 30 people in this match. So it's like... Kind of, it went really long. It was kind of sloppy. I had to give it one beer at least, though. Wes, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely remember that match being a fucking shit show. Just a cake, like you know, battle royals are already pretty much chaos, but a tag team battle royal, there's just too many people. Like you said, extra run-ins, just a complete shit show. Like I'll give it a beer for the LOD 2000 and Sunny. And uh, I mean, and and just the Nation of Domination. I, I I like that era, Nation of Domination. I'll go ahead and yeah. 
their half of the beer. It's half a beer for Sonny and LOD, half a beer for the nation. All right. That makes sense, I guess. And Sonny used to manage Farouk, so I guess they can go together. That's fine. Daniel, what you got? Uh, For me, man, I'm – this is a popcorn match. I mean, I I can't – I – I'm not going to give it the beer, guys. I'm not. Like, I'm just – I, I, I'm, it's a dud to me, man. It, it's just, listen, to me, this is a classic case of it's 1998, the business is popping off and we want to make sure all the guys on, on, you know, on the roster get a little bit of game time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is the Super Bowl. We finally got here. I haven't been back here since the eighties really at this level. And we want to make sure that all these guys that have put in work to get us here, get a paycheck and get, get, you know, some time on the card. That's fine. They later figured out how to do that significantly better than they did at this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, arguably, but um, yeah, for me, it's just a dud. Um, I, well, you know what? I'll give it half a beer. I'll give it half a beer just for the pop because the, I mean, the entering work was just God awful from, from everybody. None of it was good. I'll give it a half a beer for the pop because I do remember that entrance. I remember Sonny's gear specifically from this WrestleMania. It's a legendary, um, in my, um, uh, teen adolescence for sure. Like, um, yeah. So for me, I'll give it half a beer for that. Uh, just because she gave me half chubs many times. So there you go. There you go. I mean, that makes sense. It was the best part for sure. But if we switch back to five years later, again, WrestleMania 19, we get an illustrious little vignette with a limo coming in with the Miller Lite Catfight Girls, which, you know, wrestling is the only reason I would remember that was a thing. And right. we have the FBI taking out Nathan Jones in the back during Sunday Night Heat because we needed to know that information. And then... Yeah. <laughs> introduced to the arena as WWE's favorite band in the whole world, and that is verbatim, Limp Biscuit comes out to play in Undertaker for his now handicap match against A-Train and The Big Show. Mm-hmm. His partner was supposed to be Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones got taken out. The match is about what you would expect it to be with all the names I quoted, especially in 2003. Like, A-Train, Big Show had no fucking business being here, especially not in a match with Undertaker. It was absolute slop city. I gave it one beer because the crowd was so fucking into Limp Biscuit, to be honest. And to me, that's part of a match because it was an intro. So it is what it is. I feel like Wes has some things to say about our good buddy Nathan Jones, though. Yeah, he just fucking sucked. I'm glad he got taken out on Sunday night. He never got the WrestleMania glory that everyone thought he was going to get. And uh, actually, I give it a negative beard for Lint Biscuit because that was the worst era of The Undertaker. Well, fucking sheesh. Uh, Daniel, rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not much of a rebuttal here, man. Like, listen, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not a big fan of the American badass in general. Also, like I was never a rap rock guy, Limp Biscuit, even Corn. I know a lot of people are gonna hate me for that one. I just never really got into it. Uh, and like Sucks. I like the Deftones, I but I did I didn't like the, I didn't like the rap rock record. I didn't like the first one. I like the Deftones, you know, like White Pony and Plus. Like that's that's my Deftones. Um, so for me, Limp Biscuit was never the thing. Um, I thought American Badass was always trash. I just felt like it was super. It was like to me, it's like it's like you're just a tall dirtier not as fun version of stone cold now you know what i mean like it's like your whole thing was that you were the dead man and you did it really well and some people now it's like it's like i feel like because things happened 
period. Like as enough time goes by and people think about them fond more fondly than they were. They're like, Oh, American badass. Like, I'm like, no, it was always shit. Like it was never like that whole run as the American badass was not good. It was not good at all. I don't know why anyone like how you can go back and look at those matches of that time. We're not good. And we're luckily we're very close to the end of that here. Uh, because the following WrestleMania is when the dead man returns and the American badass is never to be seen again. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Dud for me. So two duds in a row on, on two different WrestleManias. Makes sense. I concur with pretty much everything that you said, actually. Um, had to give it a beer just because, again, you're here in the crowd. I don't know. For me, that matters. But we go back to WrestleMania 14, and this one's kind of fun. We can run through it real quick. It's a light heavyweight title match between Taka Michinoku and Aguila, who did not get an entrance. Luckily yeah. for him. S.A. Rios. S.A. Rios. Yeah, and uh, help us introduce Amy Dumas, aka Lita, into the WWF, which is probably how Sa Rios is most remembered for that. And one stellar fucking moonsault guy just he had the best moonsault probably I've ever seen. The match was highly athletic. Crowd is confused. WWF is trying to copy the WCW cruiserweight thing here. It's not working really at all for me. Uh, I gave it a beer. Wes, do you remember this one at all? Yeah, I remember it. It was a, a. I gave it at least a two beers on that one. That was just a good classic, little like junior heavyweight, cruiserweight, light heavyweight uh, type of match. I mean, just because the crowd didn't get it doesn't mean they put in some good work. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna split the difference and go one and a half on this, just because I do feel like they did work really well. But again, not only did I not give a shit, no one else gave a shit, especially at this point too. I mean, it was just wasn't their product, you know. I do, I genuinely feel like this match would like if we would be talking, if we were talking about a Starcade right here or Halloween Havoc instead, we would probably have rated this match higher if the same match had been on the card because I do feel like it would have fit that WCW cruiserweight thing. And also too, I've kind of figured it out. I realized the reason why the cruiserweights really popped off in WCW and didn't work out in WWE or really even TNA. I mean, they say it did with the X Division, but it was all kind of the same. Is like. The production value of WCW worked to the favor of the smaller wrestlers because of the smaller ring. Like the smaller ring made such a massive difference in that presentation, like the the production quality. Like those cruiserweight matches are the best, in my opinion, as far as like being division specific. I know nowadays, like pretty much the cruiserweight style is just the style of a normal wrestler now. Um, but back then it was different. And I did like the very massive nineties contrast in the Japanese style and the Mexican style, which were very different, especially then. And so I thought it was very well worked, but I just, I did not care. So like beer and a half for me. Makes sense. Speaking of things people didn't care about, we go back to WrestleMania 19. There's a couple more vignettes that just don't bear mentioning. And then we get a women's title match. This is a triple threat match between jazz, Victoria and Trish Stratus. And I'll say, Trish, the entrance kind of was the most important part of this whole fucking thing. The entrance and then the finish of just the fact that she won. At this point, nobody was paying attention to poor Victoria anymore. I really don't know why. I was always a fan of her work, but she's paired with Stevie Richards for no real reason here. I was always and still am a fan of jazz, but it just didn't. There was no transition moving into the WWE from ECW stuff. It was just the exact same thing. And at that point in time, it just didn't fit. So we're talking square peg round hole thing. Yeah. Uh, no real heat from the crowd. There were a couple of pops at the beginning at the end. You know, I, again, I gave it a beer. Wes, what'd you think? Uh, I mean, besides jazz, it's pretty much a dud for me. 
word. I mean, I gave it a beer just because I do feel like this was the beginning of Trish getting her like getting better and getting her run. The match was I'm not saying the match was great, but I do feel like this kind of launched her into like, okay, like she's a like it's she's not it's not like TNA Trish where or it's you know what I'm saying where it's like we've seen her much worse to see where she like started to where she ended up finishing her career is night and day. I mean, so I think this is kind of like a um, like a, a turning point. And, you know, like, I think you're dead on, though. I mean, it, like, on paper, this match should have been a banger. You know what I mean? But not everybody was at the same point in their careers. You know what I mean? Like, if we had all three women at their very peak performance, it would probably would have been a banger. But we didn't have that. So, yeah. I mean, a beer. Yep. Just kind of filler. But, yeah. That's just kind of how it worked out. I, I'm going to admit that I got confused for a split second when you said TNA Trish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Justin Albert. Uh, Justin Albert. Yeah, Justin Albert Trish. Test and Albert, trip. which came before the wrestling company, by the way. But yes, what a what a different time. I mean, you got to wonder where Jeff Jarrett gets his ideas sometimes. And Trish Stratus gave me a few for sure. Oh, definitely. We flash back to WrestleMania 14. We have one of the best, coolest little promo pieces here with, oddly enough, Jennifer Flowers, fresh off of a lot of scandalous publicity for a supposed inter- uh, affair, rather. I don't know what I was about to say, with President Bill Clinton. And she's interviewing The Rock. And this is one of the earliest situations where you could really see that charisma coming out and the true transformation between Rocky Maivia and what would eventually become The Rock. There's a really great great quote at the end of it. Uh, some, saying something is orally wrong before correcting himself to say morally wrong. Yeah. And it's just the whole thing reeks of this time period, but also to me was a big changing point for Maivia. So that was pretty interesting, and it leads us straight in. The DX Band gives a live intro for Triple H in China for a European Championship match against Owen Hart, where Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter is handcuffed to China in order to stop China from interfering in the match. This is an interesting one for me, personally, uh, just because you know we're like four months out of Montreal here, yeah. so Owen has stayed in the company, and has had to separate from his identity as the Heart Foundation. So he's rocking that Black Heart gimmick, which never really did it for me. I ne- it never yeah. really hit that fucking same tone at all. But God, just watching him wrestle is just something else every single fucking so time. Good. Something about that Owen Hart Insiguri gets me every time. I don't know so what good. it is. I don't know why it's different, how it's different, whatever it is. Triple H is a fucking bumping machine here. He is doing his best to make this thing look good. And then obviously we get... The DQ end with the distraction from China, low blow, so on and so forth. I gave this one four beers. It was the first emotional investment match on the card. And yeah. the match itself was also excellent. So the timing worked. But, like, the crowd here is, like, ten times fucking hotter than they've been in the previous matches on this card so far. So yeah. it, it kind of it hit a bell for me. Wes, what would you think? I mean, it, it's definitely a classic. It's one of like the it's one of the f- last few like big Owen Hart pay per view matches, right? At this point, right? He's one more year after this, and then yeah. eight, eight, six, eight months. Yeah, yeah, like it's yeah, his last WrestleMania, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So fuck yeah, so crazy seeing that right there, and like I agree, the Black Heart gimmick wasn't the best, but yeah, Triple H at this point was a bumping machine. Classic DX and shit Owen right there. And was hot, too, man. I mean, like, when he came back, like, when he came back and, like, started just jumping either Sean or Hunter, like, 
it was over. Like it didn't work out. They, it fizzled out quickly, but right. Like in this moment, it was hot. Like it it, it was, I mean, the crowd was invested because it was fresh. It was brand new. And the match was great. I thought the match was really good. I loved it. It was, it's, it's a classic. It is a classic. Yeah. How good was it? I thought, Uh, I mean, I'll go at least four beers. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I, yeah, I'm going to go four, maybe four and a quarter on this one just because I feel like Triple H established himself as like – I think he knew Sean's leaving, right? Mm-hmm. I got to make sure that I show that I can carry the ball as a solo. And the, the only reason why I wouldn't go any higher than four – uh, is just because of the the dust, the, you know, the DQ finish. Um, I feel like it could have been clean. They could have found a way to do it better. Even if you know, even even with like, I, I get that you you got to get China involved, and and I under I understand that that's why it's done that way. I didn't necessarily think it had to be like that, but again, I mean, it worked out well, and it really worked out well for Triple H. Not so great for the other two. It's kind of crazy that. There's like one person still alive that's involved in this match. It's just insane to me, but um, Fuck. yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, they did great work. It's a great memory. Great WrestleMania match for Owen Hart. Gosh darn right. We switch back to WrestleMania 19. We have a great Rock interview yet again. Look at the five-year difference. This time it's with Coach. Rock's cutting a heel promo based on how he has to beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. One, two, three in the middle of the ring. This has every element of a classic rock promo. It's just fantastic. I, you know, what else can you really say? It's not like that's a surprise to any fucking body. Then we have a triple threat tag team match for the WWE tag team titles between Chris Benoit and Rhino as a tag team. Team Angle consisting of Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin and Charlie and Eddie Los Guerreros, which this, I, I just hit it to the punch now. I gave it four and a half beers because these three tag team situations can be such a cluster and especially in this era and like if you look at it stylistically almost everybody in the match is different enough that this could have been a fucking car crash and it could have been really fucking annoying but the way they timed it the chemistry spots with eddie and chris it's still to me it's refreshing to watch i don't give a fuck what anybody says yeah and like the fucking pop for the gore still you know and i mean every time i see him do that the rhino from like 99 to like I'd say 2004, 2005. It's still just one of those, like, it gets explosive. Dude, it's fucking yeah. great. So I gave it four and a half. Uh, Daniel, let's cycle to you. What'd you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go four, four and a half on that one as well. Uh, I thought, I mean, uh, just exactly what you said. I, I feel like the chemistry between those guys is undeniable. And I, I think that this is one of those, ma- like, this match you could put on a revolution or an all out or a full gear, and it would be. Like today, you can do the like literally the exact same moves, move for move, and that was 20 years ago. Um, these guys all had it. Um, it's it's you know obviously tragedies have been struck and and whatever is whatever. But if you put it in a capsule and you're just looking at it for what it was at that time on that day, it's undeniable. Uh, the I mean, the tag teams weren't really having those kind of matches. Um, cause this is a lot, this isn't a TLC, you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't like a, um, a big bump match. This is like a technical wrestling match with three tag team. It's, it was just really well done. Really well done. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, four, four and a half years for me as well. Fuck yeah. Wexley. Ain't gonna lie. I do not remember this match and I did not go back and watch this specific match. So now I need to go watch it. Cause the way you guys are describing it is it's fucking sick. And oh yeah. 
I'll probably go watch this tomorrow. All the WrestleMania 19 time. for the most part is pretty damn good. It's damn. I do not. I yeah. This is not one that jumps out to me, and I don't remember this one, but it, it sounds fucking sick. So I'm gonna go check it out. Well, it was really good. I recommend for anybody who hasn't gone back and watched that match in a while, it is definitely one to go back and see. Unlike the follow-up from WrestleMania 14, we have ourselves a mixed tag team match with Goldust and Luna Vachon, or the artist formerly known as Goldust and Luna Vachon, plus Mark Marrow and Sable. I gave I it... this one vividly. Yeah, unfortunately I do too. Um, I gave it Abir. I really love Luna. This is not peak anyone else involved in this match. Now, Sable is hot as shit as far as being over with the crowd. Like, she is on a fucking streak here. But even yeah, the recap actually, videos, yeah. even the recap videos, you can't, like, it's like, you can't fucking talk. Your work sucks. Like, it, it oh, just yeah. all is fucking awful. Like, it just, ugh, I don't know. The funniest thing I noticed from this one is they do make a note that the first ever mixed tag team match in WrestleMania history was at WrestleMania 6 with Macho Man and Sherry Martell versus Sapphire and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Then oh, here shit. at 14, we have Dustin Rhodes, which makes me wonder if they're foreshadowing Cody Brandy at some point at a WrestleMania for a mixed tag team match just because it would make sense to them. No, please not. don't do that. Please don't. Don't do that. We don't need that. No one wants that. I don't think so either, but I could see them doing it. Uh, West, like Cody might want that because yeah. he's Cody. Yeah, probably. Eh, uh, this match is, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a swig. You know, it's... it's <laughs> Cor- Corbeer? Yeah. yeah, it happened. It occurred. It certainly occurred. Daniel, you said you remember this one vividly. What you got? I remember it vividly. I mean, okay, I think that this is one of those things that, like, they showed, like, not highlights necessarily, but, like, three-second clips of this match a lot for Sable, and mm-hmm. she went on to get even bigger. So, like, I, it has, like, it hasn't... Okay, so for nostalgia value, like because of where, where it catapulted Sable to and her whole character, maybe three, four beers for nostalgia value. But when you're talking about like the match and what it was, I, I'm not giving it anything. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not giving it a drop of beer. It was terrible. It was terrible. Not even a swig? Damn, dude. Dude, not a swig. Uh, shout outs so much to the WWF production team at that point from you because they got, cl- I don't know how they got clips. I don't know how, how they got clips. But they managed to get clips that made it look great. I don't know how, but they did it because the match was dog shit. It was terrible. It's very true. It was awful. It was very difficult to watch. Now we move on to one of my favorite matches of all time, so I'm a little biased on this one. But WrestleMania 19, back again. We have Y2J, Chris Jericho, who has started this just incredible goddamn fucking storyline about idol having idolized and no longer idolizing HBK Shawn Michaels. This is not long after Shawn has made his return to the WWF for the first time in several years, which is kind of funny that we're comparing these two WrestleManias for reasons we will. Yeah, we're like six later. months in. We're like six months. This is his first thing after the Triple H return. This is the first thing he's doing after the Triple H return. Very true. It's the first Mania back, and obviously his last Mania there is our competitor here. So it's crazy. Very interesting stuff. Parallels there. Uh, Love it. HBK Love and Austin. But inverse. Anyway, this feud, the fucking video package for it, everything leading up to it, the match in and of itself, the idea just because, like, the comparisons between the two were already on everybody's tongue. They had been for years. But this really – Jericho had already been undisputed world champion by this time. They had already done a bunch of shit in WWE. But this really, in my opinion, elevated Jericho to a point that he wouldn't have to grossly elevate again for quite some time. Because of the feud, the match. I love Sean's look here. 
even though like I hate the haircut, but like he still has the classic <laughs> tights and not the baggy Jinko man pants or whatever. I don't know. I gave it five beers. I do wish the finish were different, but it does kind of get you by surprise after all the falsies. Both guys fucking crushed it. I loved it. Wes, what'd you think of this match? Hey, I also agree. I'm going to give that, that one a classic five beers, and it's the most unexpected but classic nut shot of all time. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the best nut shots. Like, sometimes a nut shot is cheap, a cheap, like, eh, that sucked, but it worked here. It worked for the whole storyline. The match itself was great, and I do agree. It's pre the when he wore his hybrid HBK slash Rey Mysterio uh, chaps. They were just fucking horrible but this one is still the good classic tights mm-hmm. yeah i agree uh and and probably one of the last appearances in a wrestlemania with these tights. good classic tights that's very true that's very true i happen to know uh pretty much probably already some of what you're gonna say but daniel your thoughts on this one uh so this one for me like it, i mean i'm the i'm the biggest Shawn michaels mark of all time and i i this is in my top five one of his best matches ever um and to me, you know, he was already the undisputed champion. He was already a main eventer. Um, but to me, this match is what put him in to like the generational talent, like conversation, like, like, okay, like maybe he might be like a great, you know what I mean? Like one of the greats, like he's already a main eventer, you know, but there's lots of main eventers that aren't greats. You know what I mean? Like he's get, he's getting into the greats and and the end was i mean everything was perfect the, the 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 promos building up on both from both guys was great Sean like up until this point like his match matches with Triple H were great but he didn't look like he was super confident back on the mic again you know he had found Jesus and all that whole thing and it was just a little, a little different but like this program is when it kind of like he was getting back to being Sean and it was just i mean the matches it's a flawless match. Like you're not going to find a, a weird spot. You're not going to, it's a flawless match. It's a flawless finish. It's a, it's a gr- great story that's told. Um, and it just keeps going. Like, you know what I mean? Like you feel conclusion, you feel like the match ends clean finish works out great. And then you get the ending and it's just the cherry on top, but also leaves everything open-ended. Maybe they're going to continue the storyline next week. Maybe it comes back in two or three years. That's a perfect icing on the cake. You know what I mean? Like you can go anywhere from there. It's still an ending, but it's also open-ended very well booked. Um, yeah. If I'm going to give any match on, on either of these shows, six beers, it's this one. I'm giving it six beers. Fantastic. Okay. I agree. That's good. Word, word, word. We go back to WrestleMania 14. Once again, I don't know why this whole situation was so fucking convoluted, but it was. So we're just going to say it. Tennessee Lee makes an appearance to introduce Jeff Jarrett, who walks out with Jennifer Flowers to be the special ring announcer for the Intercontinental title match that involves no Jeff Jarrett at all. It involves The Rock, Rocky Maivia, and Ken Shamrock. And I gotta say, I did not think this match was very good. It was uh, basically the whole selling point was storyline stuff to split Rock from Farouk and to make Ken Shamrock look, you know, his whole fucking "Ah," shit, like where you don't know what he's gonna do. The finish was messy. All the other extra people were messy. The whole thing was messy. I only gave it two beers because the ending with Rock with his mouth bloodied and getting carried out and that whole business, like there's an imagery thing there, but also like this again is a Genesis thing for Rocky Maivia making a transition, changing over, but it still only got two for me. Daniel, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I'm probably going to give it a little bit less than two, to be honest with you, just because I feel like the rock is still finding the rock. He's not 
quite got his whole imagery thing down yet. He's still wearing those black with like the neon blue, the rock and just print on the back. It's not, um, it's, it's, he's not there yet. And to me, listen, I think, I mean, I know of maybe a year or so ago, we did like our top five mid carters of all time. And Ken Shamrock's on that list. He's a great mid carter, but he's always been a mid carter. And I know this is a mid card title, but like, this is also one of the hottest times in the business where every single thing had a story. And, I don't remember anything about Ken Shamrock and The Rock having any valuable feud leading up to this. I remember very much about Farouk and the Nation of Domination and all that. I don't really remember any memorable storylines with Ken Shamrock, period, in WWF. And honestly, not that many great matches either. Just kind of like, I don't know. He was just there. He was just a, a character that filled a spot. He wasn't that great. And to me, this match is just that. It's just not that great. I'm going to give it two beers. Two. That's where. So that's two for two right now. Yeah. Wexley, you gonna you gonna triple threat us here? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Like you said, the little imagery, the kind of storyline stuff with Farouk and everything. That is what really this is about, not the in ring work. Uh, and like you said, Shamrock never really had very many good matches. The Lions Den was fun, but you know, besides that, shit. <laughs> shit. <Word. laughs> shit. Goddamn. <laughs> Indeed. I just got a random uh, call in the middle of this over the same platform from clearly a spam number. So maybe they're a listener. Who knows? But they're not getting on. Love it. Now we switch no. to WrestleMania 19. And I'm going to call a slight audible here only because I did say there were 10 matches and I was incorrectly counting the next one. So we're going to kind of skate through it. There's a four way pillow fight. Between the Miller Lite Cat Fight Girls, Tori Wilson, Stacey Oh, Keaton. we don't have to talk about this one. Nah, just skip yeah. that shit. Let's go to I the actual next city. match. I think we know yeah. that. Yeah. So the next one, which <laughs> is an interesting situation for the time as well. Uh, we got Triple H, World Championship match against Booker T. Yes. Obviously, I think we probably all have enough to say about this. Uh, great match, though. I, Bill yeah, Bell, great yeah. match. Daniel, why don't you start? I thought the match was great. I thought it was great, and I know a lot of people really think the right booking decision was to put Booker T over here, and I agree. Like, everyone's right. That was the right thing to do. He made a mistake. Yep. I mean, he made Vince made a ton of them, and 04 he didn't make that many, to be honest with you, but uh, this was one of them. Should have put it on Booker T for sure, but the match was great. It was just this was the right time, you know. This was his uh, this was his Kofi mania, you know what I mean. This was his uh, you know, his yes mania. Well, you know, like this was this was the right time for Booker T to win that title. Um, I mean, he go on to become King Booker, which I which I actually think is a better character, and I enjoyed more of. Um, so maybe we wouldn't have gotten that without with that if if he had won here. Um, so maybe maybe it did all work out. Uh, but yeah, I thought the actual match was great. Bell to Bell was really awesome. I think that Booker T and Triple H had amazing chemistry. Booker T didn't always have that with everybody, but he definitely had it with Triple H, and it was a really good match. I'll say four beers. Wesley, what did you think? Booker T versus Triple H World Championship. I mean, I agree with almost everything that you said, but dude, come on. The OG Booker T character is nowhere fucking near. Dude, King Booker, come on now. King Booker's the like, best. I mean, King Booker's cool, but Booker T, like, like, dude, come on, OG Booker no, T, I come like, on, I don't like, even, don't like even fuck with me dedication. like that. It's just, it's personal preference. I'm not, I, I don't dislike regular Booker T. He's, he's an OG. He's already a legend as he is. I'm just saying the extra gimmick on top. I loved it, especially when he would like come out of the gimmick 
in the gimmick and is the old, you know what I mean? Like that would, the layers of King Booker to me was way more entertaining. And the, the bell to bell was the same. It, he wrestled the same. He was the same oh, yeah, guy exactly. in the ring. So like, I love Booker T. I'm not trying to shit on him as an actual, like his, I know. I'm OG just, I love me persona. some old school, original Booker T, the Booker T and gold dust run Booker T versus stone cold, even Booker T and WCW and the Harlem heat shit. But you know, Great, I mean, great match here. Just the finish, the how long it took for Triple H to cover him after that fucking pedigree. That took yeah. away a whole quarter beer. So I'm gonna go that three point seven right. five, three and three quarter beers on this one because it was just so fucking like a, just egregious. I was like, dude, come the fuck on. No I got way. it. Yeah, I mean, this is right in the middle for me. Not because the match wasn't good. The match was good. And psychologically, a lot of it made sense. And they, they're work, working Book's leg, and the you know Harlem hangover leads to an additional little bit of a leg injury. Ric Flair kind of being in Triple H's corner and up in the ante. I mean, if you're going to beat him, if you're going to beat Booker here, it makes sense to have the distraction piece. So yeah. that part of it made sense to me. And also, too, like – but also, too, like if you're about to launch Evolution, if you're about to restart the Four Horsemen and he's Ric Flair – the gap, the gap between the finish makes a little more sense. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's it, just one of those things. So, I will say, Booker, I, I agree. This was his time. The promos here, the vignette was hard to watch because not only did we have the terrible finish, but all the thinly veiled racist comments from Triple H the whole time. And you know, I know the allegory is, oh, I didn't mean that. I meant because he's from WCW. I'm like, motherfucker, you're from WCW. Shut up. Like. <laughs> Just one of those things. But yeah, three beers right down the middle for me. Hop back over to WrestleMania 14. And I'm just one of my favorite matches ever. Dumpster match for the tag team titles between the New Age Outlaws, Road Dog Jesse James, and Badass Billy Gunn. And this is like infancy New Age Outlaws. This is just literally the day before DX. Yeah. Versus DX2, yeah. And Chainsaw Charlie, aka Terry Funk. I love that Funk just lost the pantyhose over his head here and just went straight in the old school Funk shirt. Like, is it for this type of match? It just made so much sense. This match is perfectly in Mick and Terry's wheelhouse, but the Outlaws needed this match. They yes. needed the toughness. Yes, it was stiff as shit. I can't tell you how many times I was like, yeah, you know, taken aback by how hard they were fucking hitting each other. Yeah, the forklift shtick at the end. I gotta say. It, if anybody other than Mick and Terry had done the forklift thing, I would have thought it was hokey and shitty, but I just thoroughly enjoyed it because yeah. it was them. Agreed. Agreed. Um, it's on brand. So I went five beers. I thought that it was great for both teams. The shenanigans were memorable. I'm not really sure what would have set it over the, you know, into the six territory for me, but like, you know, that's, that's, that's gold. So I'm giving it yeah. close to gold, a little higher than silver myself. So yeah. Wex, what'd you think about the dumpster match for the tag team titles? Dude, it's an all-time classic. Like you said, it's like the Genesis, the New Age Outlaws, the pre-DX, and you got to see some good old classic Terry Funk losing the fucking the pantyhose over the fuck he wore. And this is all just uh, – it's great. I mean it's good shit right here. I, I went 4.75, not quite the five beers, but that's just the classic imagery of them slamming the door shut, pushing – like just – Classic. And then to think we still get badass Billy Gunn sometimes wrestling weekly on our regular TV. And he looks and he's in phenomenal shape. It's ridiculous. Met him in person. He's a he's a nice guy and he looks fucking just as good in person as he does on TV. It's like crazy yeah, how old he him. is. I gotta meet him. You gotta make that happen for me, Lex. Hey, Darby already said I'm invited to the next one, so Well, you let me know. I'll be there. We'll hang out. Let's go. 
Dude, okay, yeah. So for me, I agree fully with what Jesse said too. New Age Outlaws definitely needed this match. And this is the thing too. Like a lot of people, you know, you talk about like the greatest tag teams in WWE history and like a lot of people leave out the Outlaws because it's like, well, they were more of a gimmick than they were wrestlers. And that is true for the majority of their career. But I feel like it's because of what the time was and what it called for. Like, it's not like, you know, they it, it, at that time, tag team wrestling outside of like outside of Edge and Christian and the Hardys and the Dudleys, like they had their own thing. Like it wasn't like like if we're being honest about and this TV is pre, at that time, this is pre all of them anyways. Well, it's not pre all of them. I mean, well, all the of Hardys, them are here. I mean, they were there, point. but I mean, it wasn't this is before they, you know, started. Doing right, right, right. Shit. No, no, I understand that. I understand that. What I'm saying, though, is that like they they could they did what I'm saying is they didn't need they weren't they didn't have to be belts at all. That wasn't what the WWF was at that time. It was attitude era. It was promo, 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 talk, 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 story, 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 maybe a 15 minute match. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what it was. But they when they got this chance and also, too, like Terry Funk's a living legend already at this point in 1998. This is his first WrestleMania. This is only WrestleMania. Is like, a, geez, that's well, crazy. No, I think he did No, he, there was an earlier wrestle, like a very much earlier WrestleMania. He was in like '94 or something like that. But he was like a, it was a battle royal or something I like that, right? I'm pretty sure it was like WrestleMania two or something like that. Like, no, no, no. The only other WrestleMania that he was gonna be in was the King's Court one, where they all were Survivor like Survivor Series, bro. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. My bad. Either way, this is obviously a legendary Terry Funk moment for him in WrestleMania as Terry Funk in a semi-main situation. The match was amazing. I mean, and just like Jesse said, too, like the forklift thing would have been hokey. But, dude, Mick Foley is the embodiment of hokey, but we all love him for it. And it was perfect for this. And it, it, it like it doesn't. And because it's Mick and because of his craziness, it's like I wasn't even, I didn't even like in my suspension of disbelief. I was like, yeah, that would happen. Mick would do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like man head butted a milk crate for no reason. Yes. Yes. It's like, it's, it, that's exactly right. And it's a great match. I I, honestly, I think bell to bell, this might be the best match on the card to be honest with you on WrestleMania 14. Really? You're saying that it might be, I, I don't disagree. Frankly, I like, I really don't also just to set the record straight, Dory and Terry fuck WrestleMania two against Tito Santana and the junkyard dog. There it is. There it is. But those fucking WrestleMania two, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, at that yeah. point in time, those weren't permanent contracted people with the company. That's right. freelance shit. Like that's yeah. you know. But I gotta say though, I, I think I do agree as far as best work match, Bell to Bell on the card. I think so. Yeah. But on into one who you might not want to call it Bell to Bell, but I'll tell you it was sure fucking entertaining. Back to WrestleMania 19, we have a very long time coming, almost perfect match for what it was: a street fight between. Vincent Kennedy McMahon and Hulk fucking Hogan in 2003, <laughs> yep. which is just wild to think about. I mean, at this point, that's like around about 20 years after they had really started working together on a consistent basis for the WWF. Yep. And this is through after all the steroid trials, after everything. After the Monday Night War. Vince is king of using the real life shit in these matches. That's why I still He's could see some goofy shit happening with him this year, next year, something like that. Just because all of it is fucking accurate. There's like news footage of Hogan coming out of the steroid trials that was not WWF footage. You know what I mean? Triple H, Vince McMahon's got to happen. I mean, gotta I, happen. Could see, I could see Nick it. Man's showing up at Mania this year. I'm calling it. He's doing it again. Triple H, Vince McMahon. I could see it, but the one way or the other, 
this particular match being a street fight, I had no hopes for it the first time I watched it, and I, I, I remember liking it, but I didn't really know what to think when I went back to look at it again today. But, like, these motherfuckers bled like crazy. The fucking leg drop off the ladder through the announce table by Vince McMahon onto Hulk Hogan. It's like, what the fuck? Like, it's just one of those spots that's so surreal. Um, I did only give the match four and a half beers. The reason being, it was long as fuck, which goes for like... very long. That's the problem, for sure. It goes for the last, like, four matches on this card. They're they're long. But it was also, like, I could have done without the Piper thing. I get it. I understand it. The Roddy Piper running in, teasing... Massive pop, though. Massive pop. Oh, sure, of course. But, like, if you're going to do that for the pop or whatever, like, do it after the match. You know what I mean? It didn't need to be, you know, him going to hit Hogan in the head only for Hogan to hulk up and hit three leg drops on Vince McMahon before he could fucking pin him. Like, that, just no part of that makes sense to me. But the placement on the card, again, absolutely perfect. This was a well-booked card all in all, WrestleMania 19 was. Yeah, really good. But four and a half beers for me. Uh, Wes, what did you think? Hulk Hogan versus VKM in a street fight. I just remember this being a fucking bloodbath. And like you said, I remember that crazy spot, the leg drop. It it just... Hulk Hogan, from this point on in his career, every match he had was a bloodbath. That's true. Like, that's the only way he could get over at that point, because he just couldn't really do much else but just take a beating and bleed and hit the leg drop. Which, I mean, I understand when you get there. I mean, I'm sure Moxley will be somewhere at that point in his career, because he's he's halfway there. But, yeah, I mean... I go three and a half beers. It's a classic. I mean, Vince McMahon, you know, still fucking incredibly swole for no reason at this point. Yeah. No, it's great. Still not as swole as he was during his first initial run with Stone Cold. That's when he was just like absolutely alpha male jacked. Yeah. St. Valentine's Day massacre. One of those matches of all time. But uh, I digress. Uh, This is still a pretty uh, solid one. Uh, Not not as good as Vince McMahon versus Ric Flair, but uh, it's still a pretty good one. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'll, I'll say that's what I'll say to you. It's a pretty good match. Um, it's too long. It's just too long. And I get they had to have the time, but it's like, you know, the bloom is off the rose with uh, with Hogan at this point. You know what I mean? We like you don't you you can't beat the Rock Hogan match. And, greatest, his greatest match of all time. Yeah, for sure. Oh, definitely, no doubt. And I don't think that you can really replace the Austin McMahon run for, uh, for McMahon. So uh, to me, it's like, but if you can't like, you know, if you can't do rock Hogan or if you can't do Austin McMahon, Hogan McMahon's not a bad Avenue for either guy. Like that, 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 that does work out well. And it worked out really well here. I agree fully. This is the best place for it to be on the card a little too long. Don't didn't like the pipe Piper involvement at all. I, I just don't think that that's, I would have just rather it not happened at all. Um, you know, in a perfect world, we're pre-death of Macho here, so I'd like to, I would have liked to have seen that Woo! a little more. Good that would have been Lord. way cooler. Um, but it is what it is. Um, great match, you know. I mean, McMahon, you know, we all demonize him now. You know, we all we all want to love to shit on the on the bad things, but dude, for you know, for a sixty-year career. He, you know, he, he, he batted better than he, than he didn't. You know what I mean? So very that's true. off to him. Five beers for me, for sure. I like it. I like it. Five beers going almost the perfect six back over to 14. We have the semi main event, which is also an interesting one. If you really think about the timing of it and everything, but we have the undertaker versus K 
Kane, which this particular iteration of this match is a very long time coming. One of the most classic, most played, most memorable WrestleMania moments, not only of this show, but just in general. Pre-match, Pete Rose comes out. Oh, yeah, classic. Crowd, so much more pissed than they had been at anything else previous to this on this card. I mean, riles him up like only he can do. He's fresh Red Sox territory when baseball mattered in the 90s, you know what I mean? And he's dead in the middle of some fucking scandalous shit himself. Everybody wanted to hate him anyway. It's such Logan a Paul fucking... level moment. Logan Paul level moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, at, at that point, to be honest, possibly even more. Because, like, this predates the internet thing. So if you're looking at it to right. scale, yeah. 25 years ago, the yeah. amount of newspaper articles and whatever. No, I mean, right. it doesn't predate the fucking internet, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, before, pretty like, close. Pretty close, though. Pretty close, pretty close, yeah. You know. I mean, but everybody fucking knew. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, this makes so much sense. Kane comes out. Obviously, we get the very first Kane tombstone, which would become somewhat of a tradition to Pete Rose. Then Undertaker has this, like, kind of it, it surprisingly large scale entrance for where they are, like, just physically speaking, the amount of shit that they put into it. I was kind of like, that seems like it was probably a terrible hazard. But at any rate, watching this match, I, I, I never would have remembered this, even though I've seen the match easily a dozen times. But both guys. Really pulled some hyper athletic shit out of the hat. Like, it was pretty nuts if you go back and look at it. There's like a fucking oh, yeah. front face electric chair drop spot and like a, a handful of different high spots. It it really took. I mean, in my opinion, the feud was kind of like not enough for people to care too much about between the two of them at this point because they wanted to make it wait after the whole like debut of Kane thing or whatever, which was like six months before or something like that. But like, it's gotta be Kane. But, like, after you're watching that whole thing, by this point, it was, like, watching the match, you knew sort of what was going to win, or who was going to win, rather. But, like, the Paul Bearer turn adds so much to this, just in the whole fucking storyline, the after-match chair shot attack by Kane, the whole deal. It ends kind of flat, in my opinion, but I still gave it three and three-quarters beers, just because of the athleticism between these two in 1998, just two huge fucking guys. Then the Pete Rose pop leading into it, the whole thing. I mean, I, it's just it's a fucking moment, you know? Yeah. Daniel, what'd you think? I agree that it's iconic. I agree that it's if you're gonna do a gimmick match, best way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like like gimmick. What I mean by that is like gimmick heavy, not necessarily like gimmick match, but like gimmick right. heavy match. Like storyline where the story perpetuates into the in-ring work because of the gimmicks that these guys have. It's never going to be duplicated in wrestling again. It's never going to happen again. You're never going to have characters like this with this deep of storylines work well. And I think that might be why we're seeing it with Bray Wyatt because he's a true character. And it's just there's not enough. They doesn't have anybody else to go with. It doesn't make sense. Everybody else is just a wrestler or they're just a, a famous person or they're an influencer or whatever, whatever it is. Like the, the, the gimmick here between these guys and and the work rate was great. I mean, dude, bi- two big men very rarely pull it through. Very rarely, and these guys did it several times. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would argue. I mean, I-, I would argue that outside of Mick Foley, and then the Shawn Michaels Triple H run that he had during the Manias, Kane's his best opponent. You know, I mean, it's just and and that Kane for Kane, the Undertaker is definitely his best opponent. Oh, Definitely. for sure. So, like, 
Yeah, I mean, when you're getting the best of both guys who are both legends, you know, regardless of how we feel about them personally and their opinions on life, <laughs> um, the the as far as you know, outside of Glenn and Mark, uh, for Kane and the Undertaker, this is the the top of where they go to me. So yeah, five. I'd give it five. Damn. All right, word. A tie. Wexley. Oh yeah, I go about four and a half beers on this one. It's a uh, like like you said. The match itself, like besides all like that high athletic shit the big guys are pulling off, like it's nothing too crazy. But the story, the imagery, just everything with here, like the Paul Bear turn, everything about this match. This is Kane's first WrestleMania. This is and that original iteration version of Kane was my favorite. So yeah, I, I agree. It's it's pretty fucking solid. Like you said. They pull like especially for that time, that uh, time period. They were pulling off some pretty impressive shit that a lot of, that both of them probably didn't pull off many other times later in their career. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And it leads into a whole bunch of other stuff. Keep in mind, Hell in a Cell is like three months after this. Yeah, not even. It's fucking insane. Insane to think about. Moving back over to WrestleMania 19, we have. What we didn't know at the time, but would be the end of possibly the greatest WrestleMania feud ever, only because of the number of matches and what they meant. But this is The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2003. This would turn out to be Austin's final match ever up until last year, but his yeah. final, like, real, here's a storyline, here's a build, here I am, here's a match match ever. Uh, I think it's probably pretty common knowledge now. Austin went into it after basically being on the verge of and or possibly even having a heart attack the night before, which is pretty gnarly to think about now. This was not my favorite Rock versus Austin match. And I think like it, I can't decide if knowing that it was going to be the last one and especially Austin's last one for 19 years would have made it better or made it worse. I, I haven't been able to figure that out in my own head for myself. I will say that I do wish somehow this had been for a title because I think that that last match thing wouldn't have mattered. I think that that would have been enough for people to kind of see a shift in the dynamic and have that be a situation. I mean, 17's the one. I mean, well, that's the one. And, and I mean, arguably, that see, that's not my favorite. And it's only not my favorite because I don't think the double turn made sense for anybody. Yeah, the ending I'm, sucks. No, no, I, I agree. But I'm saying in the lexicon. In the lexicon. Or, I mean, uh, not even in the lexicon. I'm saying, like, the bell to bell. Oh the yeah, for sure. Bell. For, for bell to bell, a hundred percent, yes. Seventeen. I, I, I just I can't get past fifteen, man. I like it's just that's really? all. You know what? I, yeah, I just think oh. it's. I, I there's something about it. Maybe it's just the time that could have something to do more with the match. The bottom for me, fifteen's the. the yeah. I would. I'd put this one second actually, but. Well, I gave this one four, which I thought this would be the highest rated match that I gave on the card, but uh, I it's Y2J and Charles Michaels definitely, but the. They did a lot of really cool shit in the match. The The element of Austin's vest was, like, funny The Rock wore it for a period of time in the match. But then it got distracting almost. Yeah. And it turned into kind of a Too weird long. thing for me. The other side, and the other reason I wish this was for a title, is because of where it had to be on the card. And I, I, I understand both sides of that argument. I do. But it creates some problems going forward. I'll leave it at that. Daniel, since we know Wexley is the biggest Stone Code fan, I'm going to throw to you second. Yeah, so to me, this is like number two. of. I mean, I, I love this match. I thought it was a really good match. I do think that some of the parts were distracting, but I think the bell to bell was great, especially knowing what uh, what I know. And maybe that like maybe that fed into it because at this point, I'm like, 
2003, I'm wrestling. Like I'm, I am in, bro. Like I am deep in to wrestling. So I like heard like, oh, he, like they don't even know if he's gonna even wrestle. Like it's this, it might be a whole schmaz thing. And then he comes out, and then I feel like I got worked. I'm like, oh, guys are working, you know, like they're 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 working the boys. Like I don't know if any of that's real, you know. Like I'm just deep into the lexicon of like that world. And I mean, to me. Because especially because I was like, is this match even going to happen? If it does, it's going to be five minutes. I know they're not the main event. So when they go and they have a 17 minute match and it's pretty damn good. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, the vest was distracting, but I mean, the bell to bell was good. Yes. I mean, Steve looked a little slow and I could go back now and be like, okay, well, maybe I see this. But and like, but at the time, I'm so invested that maybe I don't I don't know if I'm getting worked. I don't know if his heart thing is real or if it's just part of the storyline. So I'm in my mind, I'm like either he is having heart issues, which is scary, or he's working this as one of the best like workers of all time, which he is, which which is just which then I'm just seeing art. But I'm seeing I thought the match was great. I thought it was a great match. I'd say easily five, easily five. Um, especially the, and, th- and this is the thing too, we talk a lot about finishes. This is the first time ever. And I mean, ever in my era of, uh, at, at, at the time that I saw it, when the, the rock completely ba- breaks character after he gets the pin and you can see him not hear him, but see him visibly talking to Steve. And there's an, emo- like, uh, you can clearly see that it's Dwayne Johnson talking to Steve Williams. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not. It, and that that alone was like very emotional for me. And I'm everybody knows I'm a Sean guy like Steve and, and like The Rock. When they first got popular, I almost felt like I was like betraying Sean by saying one of them might be better than Sean. So like I was very you have to impress me with both these guys. I remember there was a time where I was like, The Rock's not good. People just like him. He's like the new Hogan. I got past that. I, I was wrong, clearly. But like. This match sold it to me. I was emotionally invested. I, I loved, loved seeing the realness at the end. I think that that probably gave it a full beer for me. But yeah, at least five beers. Wex, where are you at? Yeah, dude, a definitely a five, almost five and a half beers for me. I agree. It's my second favorite in the trilogy of the matches. The only, literally the only thing that really soured the second one was the ending. And that wasn't even really the match itself. It was just the post-match bullshit, you know? And, but this, but this match itself, it's great, dude. It's like I know the whole vest thing. It really wasn't distracting for me. It's like it's iconic to me. It's like a whole part of this match. It's like, and it's like you know, Rock's already like, you know, semi Hollywood. Like his, yeah. he's dipped his tip in there. He hasn't like, he's done a few things, but yeah, he hasn't like on uh, on Raw, the video game, the Xbox exclusive video game on the original Xbox. You could unlock. Um, the rock wearing stone cold's vest, but he would, I mean like just as a whole attire, he'd wear it the whole match. See, that, that that's, that's iconic as hell. And this, I mean, I love this version of the rock too. I love that theme song. Hollywood rock. Mm. Yeah. Hollywood rock. And then stone cold back to his original theme song after he was doing that goddamn disturb bullshit from the WrestleMania before he had it against the rock. And I mean, this is just, it's a solid match. And the whole thing you said, like, I didn't even know about like the heart attack thing until later because I mean, I was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't deep into the wrestling like that at 03. I, I started skateboarding at this point, so wrestling was like on the back burner. But I still watched Stone Cold's last WrestleMania. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah, right there, five beers for me. Definitely a number two in the trilogy. And uh, I'd love to see 
somehow them meet again, whether it's in some type of cinematic thing. Yeah, give me that. Like an official match, just something. Give me 20 with, minutes of just rock and stone cold at this WrestleMania. Just talking. Just talking. We're going to remake Rush Hour. But it's gonna and, be and maybe, maybe, so maybe give me 90 seconds of like, you know, a, a couple reversals, a stunner, a rock bottom. A rock bottom, bottom yeah, elbow, a couple little suplexes. And the let it end in some beer. A little spin around DDT. Yeah. Oh, I'd love it. Slap the back. Let, let, let's love see it. it. I'd say uh, I think Rock's too scared. But we're going to move back over to WrestleMania 14 for the main event. Luckily, we did last week's episode as a tribute to Old Stone Code, and we did top five moments. And part of the build of this match made it on my little uh, count that I did there. Mike fucking Tyson, man. And, yeah. you know, the the main thing about this show, all of WrestleMania 14, when you really look at it, and you look at the changing of the tide and the competition with WCW and getting past NWO, DX has already started to happen, but we're about to see a major shift the following night on Raw. And it just... It's a whole transformative period, right? But Tyson yeah. really was a huge part of it. And I'm not saying it's because of anything Tyson did other than be there. But that's all he had to do. And this is fresh off of him being in like crazy-ass conflict about biting a man's ear off and like all this other funny shit. We all know WWF never shied away from conflict during this time, so it all makes sense. The match in and of itself, I mean, both guys are dealing with such horrific fucking injuries and like... Stone Cold wasn't in a down period of his career by any stretch. He was in a very up period, but he broke his neck the previous fucking summer and never got healed from it. And then you have HBK at this point is like, as we would come to find out the following night, tail end and crippled. Yeah. Just completely like should not have been moving at all. No. And, but we're also talking about super height of DX. And we he not was on a get, lot of drugs too, at this point. Lots <laughs> of drugs, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Lots of drugs. But, you know, here's the deal. I mean, I gave it five and a half beers. It's not the perfect main event to me, but it's fucking close. Just the build from it, Sean kind of passing the torch at this point in time was a huge fucking deal. If you really look at it, even though he wasn't at the previous year's WrestleMania, but he got the torch at the year before that. So it's there. there's a whole big thing there. Stone Cold at this point, everybody knew. But, like, the Tyson thing added a little extra element. They played the heel face perfect thing of Stone Cold actually being the face here because of DX and the numbers game. The whole thing was done really, really excellently, in my opinion. We also had one of the best and most legendary fucking counters to finish the match in history. And I don't care what anybody says. That's going to be one of my favorite things I've ever seen, only because it was copied in, like, every video game from there on out, which is countering the sweet chin music, the spin around, into the stunner. Tyson comes in for the three because Kyoto got the ref bump. Tyson's obviously done his little trade, and he's on Austin's side, not DX's. And then the punch heard around the world. You want to talk about WWF figuring out how to turn the tide and make some fucking news? Mike Tyson knocking out the guy that just lost the world championship is the way to do that. So I thought this was about as close to perfect as you can get. Plus, it's the fucking beginning of the actual iteration of the Austin era. So... Almost perfect for me. Daniel, what'd you think? Uh, I went a little lower just because of, but because honestly, because you're right. The, the lead up is great. And like we're in the attitude era and the story is the most important thing. 
I mean, it's the most important thing. And the matches didn't matter as much. And especially now that, like, you know, we've been doing this show for five years. And we've all romanticized. You know, we all grew up in that Attitude Era. You know, wax a little more on the tail end, but you still grew up in that era. And we romanticize it a lot. But then we go back and we've done these comparisons for the past five years. And you see that those matches weren't as great as you remember them. But the stories were so good that it didn't really matter, right? So in a vacuum... I can say that the match, as a match, three and a half, still above average because it's Sean and Austin. For nostalgia, easy six beers. Six beers for nostalgia. So I'm going to split the difference, and I'm going to say four and a half beers. Um, Just because I feel like the nostalgia is great, but I know Sean's better than that. I know Austin's better than that. I mean, it the and the match itself was not great. The crowd made the match great. If the crowd wouldn't have been into it, it it would have this would have been a bad raw match. It was not a great match, bell to bell. It really wasn't. And both guys are phenomenal wrestlers. But this just I mean, again, like the injuries just kept it from happening. But also too, like, you know, we're talking about a twenty five year old show now, and people can say, Oh yeah, you can point back to the Mike Tyson thing and you can look at it, but if there's anybody listening that was not like doesn't vividly remember like being old enough to really remember what was happening at this time. This would be like if Tom Brady was the special guest referee, like Mike Tyson was a massive star. And I know it's like, Oh, you, you have, we have UFC now we have fighters that are, they're popular. Mike Tyson was a, a list celebrity. I don't mean like just in the fight. World. He had his he own video game back, like before everybody had their own video game lexicon. Yes, exactly. Like he is a, top 10 star period in the world movie star music any form of entertainment mike tyson's top 10 in the world like in stone cold and pro wrestling itself is on its way up and Shawn michaels had been the guy since 96 that had been pushing it up so like all the personalities here um not just in wrestling but combined with wrestling world and pop culture world it's it's too big to say that it wasn't great because it was great, but because I'm also a massive mark and a huge fan of both guys, it wasn't what it could have been. And I feel like till the day I die, genuinely, till the day, I'm not trying to be overdramatic. Till the day I die, I will really wonder what prime Shawn Michaels and prime Steve Austin could have done together. You know what I mean? Like it would have been. Probably unrivaled to this day. I mean, the Kenny Omegas, the Seth Rollins, the AJ Styles, you know, like the Will Ospreys. I, I, I don't think you could top if you had both those guys in their prime one on one. Yeah, pre neck, pre back. Yeah, Lex, where you at? I mean, like you said, the match itself, because you know these two guys are really good. Like, there's a few sloppy things here or there, but like just like Jesse said, the whole ending sequence is just so goddamn chef's kiss fucking perfect. It's and good. just for nostalgia, I'm, I'm going six beers of this one. I love this match. One okay. of my favorite I, I don't matches hate of all time. Like I get it. Yeah. Every Austin VHS DVD I've ever had has included this match. I've watched it so many times. I did not watch this live when it first happened. Didn't watch it for like probably two to three years after it happened live. Scramble box in my buddy's two-car detached garage. It was well, cold as hell. That's how I started watching the later pay-per-views, the cheater box, get my pawpaw to tape it or get my other friend the cheater box to tape it, bring it over, copy the tape. But, you know, that's what you had to do. And 
Dude, everything's surrounding this. Like you said, Mike Tyson, everything, the reveal of the Stone Cold shirt, Shawn Michaels taking his hiatus for years, just everything about this is set off like the true, like, real deal attitude era, the Austin era, just everything that I love about wrestling. I've watched this match I don't know how many times. Uh, like I said, every DVD, the multi, the multi-disc, the single disc, the VHS, I've – I've watched this every format you can think of, and one of my favorite matches of all time. I don't care if it's not in-ring the best, but where it sets in the history and my heart and everything in pro wrestling, right there, six beers for me all day, every day. Love I get it. that. I get that. I don't hate it at all. It feels like that should be the end of this comparison, but we have one more left to go, which is the actual main event of WrestleMania 19, the 2003. And I got to say, like... First off, the kudos to a Kurt Angle who was also injured as fuck yes. here. Equally Not broken sure. neck. Yeah. I this mean, is but the, also an Olympic is athlete, genesis so a little bit different. Of Perk Angle right here, the genesis of Perk Angle. Yeah, the beginning. Yeah. The beginning of yeah. And then we got Brock Lesnar, who the rib tape's not a sell. This motherfucker's ribs had been injured for quite some time already. And like you got these two guys. Kurt Angle had only been in the business professionally at this time for a couple of years. You have to really think about that. Like it is not very long. And yeah, it's like two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. And so like then you look at Brock, who even if you count OVW and all that other fun stuff, had not been in there for very long either. So you got two guys following Austin and Rock in two thousand three for the title as the closer of the granddaddy of them all, you know, the most stupendous WrestleMania situation, whatever the fuck they wanted to call it that year, like, going into it, that's got to be an insane feeling. That's all I know. Obviously, this match is most known for one spot, but I got to say, outside of that one spot, you've got fantastic wrestling between these two guys, which should be a surprise to no one, both coming from collegiate backgrounds and both being just amazing, like, Haas fucking almost impossible level athletes in and of themselves. The conditioning alone is just insane. But Brock is really like making his way. Angle has, but like still to be able to carry the final match on a card like this, especially directly the fuck after, like there wasn't a popcorn here. They didn't put a women's title match between the two that nobody cared about at the time because the division was different. They went from Rock and Austin straight and fucking Lesnar and Kirk. And the recap videos, the whole thing leading up to this, also had a bunch of classic moments and, like, the brother switch out and all that fun stuff. Oh, my God. The, <laughs> the classic. He looks nothing like him. That's why it's great. Uh, yeah, I know. But I gave it four and a half beers. And I got to say that really when you think about this, like, heavy injuries, Kurt carried the whole fucking thing, really. I mean, I'm not saying Brock didn't do a great job because he did. But a Kurt, like, obviously was ring general here. And – Obviously, it's most known for the shooting star press botch, and it's fucking miserable to watch, even to this day. And you can see the lights out, but Brock still manages to get up, hit the F5 thing, take the win, get the fuck out of there. I'm just saying it was really impressive. It's still only a 4.5, but it was very impressive to me. Wex, what'd you think? Uh, like I'll say I'll give it at least a three and a half. It was a solid match. Like you said, the... The shooting star uh, press botch was just so fucking horrific. It's just uh, really, really fucked up. But uh, Angle right here, this is like like us, like I was saying a minute ago, the genesis of Perk Angle. He is completely fucked up right here. Brock Lesnar is 
pretty much green as goose shit. He's barely been wrestling for a couple of years. Like you said, Angle's been in the business about three years at this point, and it Boxing was good, solid. I mean, it was good, solid mat work, and they had some good shit, but it just didn't. I don't know. It's it followed Austin Rock, so no matter what, you're kind of just gonna be like, you're not gonna give it your full. You know what I mean? You're, that full emotion, the full energy that it deserves. But it was still still a great match, still a classic one you're always going to think of. And like you said, that perk angle, the beginning of Brock Lesnar, and this set up one of my favorite matches of all time, Eddie Guerrero taking that scrap. But, uh, you know. I feel you. I feel you. Daniel, what you got? Yeah, for me, man, I think that this match is phenomenal. And I think that the only thing – like for me, if Brock Lesnar hits that shooting star perfectly – we're literally talking about one of the greatest WrestleMania main events of all time. If he hits it perfect, we're talking about one of the greatest WrestleMania main events of all time. It's literally that one spot. But that one spot means everything. It's the finish of WrestleMania. It's not. It, we're not talking about a transitional move that you mess up. You mess up the biggest move of your career up to this point. That being said... Now that we've seen it in hindsight, didn't really mess up his career that much. <laughs> you know, like, nah. he did all right. I think he yeah. would have done. It, 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 he could not have done any better. <laughs> like he could not have done any better than than how it turned out. Um, but in a vacuum, if you read it and it's like, well, he did mess up the finish of the main event of WrestleMania. If you're going for at the time. Three beers, because that's a massive moment. That's a massive miss. Right. I mean possibly an unforgivable miss. Um, it's, it's not like people get a chance to multiple time main event WrestleMania Brock has now, but at the time that's crazy. That's a crazy also, miss, right? Let's, let's be entirely honest. A possible career ending miss just physically. Yep. He could have been, been a life up. ending miss. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like could have been a life dude. Could have, could have been a lot of I'm not being dramatic. Like three, Five six inch difference, he he literally dies on Kurt Angle's body, dies, he's dead. Would there be WrestleMania now if that had happened? Yeah, you think so? Oh, yeah. Vince McMahon doesn't give a fuck. You see what he did to Owen Hart? You see what he did to Owen Hart? He don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, you see what I'm saying though. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. Just imagine if we would have actually got to see because this was both early in their careers, like. That prime perk angle TNA Kurt Angle versus like Suplex City Brock Lesnar. Oh, that would have been goddamn just. I wish we'd have got to see that. I really yeah. do. That's I mean, better than do, Sting yeah. versus if, Undertaker. If I would book, love to see that. If we could fantasy book like everyone in their prime, like God, could you imagine? Like, uh, hey, we let's let's say like twenty fifteen, Chris Jericho. And 96 Shawn Michaels and the same – like, you see what I'm saying? Like, bro, like, they were both really good then, and the match was great. But, like, we could fantasy book – like, that's that's my new favorite thing to do with wrestling, by the way. It's not just to, like, fantasy book, like, oh, this wrestler versus this wrestler. I want to, like, break it down to the year of that wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, like 98 yeah. or, like, pre – like, let's say 97 pre-neck break Steve Austin oh, versus, yeah. like, 96 Shawn Michaels. And like a, a minimum 20 minute match. Like, oh, like the shit that we would have got. Or like 2012, 
AJ Styles versus 96 Shawn Michaels. Like, oh, like <laughs> it doesn't get better than that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Back like to a, what we were saying, though. Ooh, yeah. Angle so and Lesnar for me. I, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and give it four beers because I do feel like if I had to split the difference, it's a massive botch at the time, but also didn't really hurt Brock in the long run. Didn't truly hurt Kurt in the long run. Um, you know, good stuff. I think I I think WrestleMania 19 is a criminally underrated WrestleMania, by the way. WrestleMania 14 might be a very if we're talking bell to bell an overrated WrestleMania, like very, yeah. very popular. Not great bell to bell. I agree. I mean, you really what you got to look at with 14, again, what you're talking about, the people that are in the audience and what they're there for, what they're going to pop for, the length of the show. I mean, there are technically two more matches in 2003, plus two musical performances by Limp Biscuit in full. Like, I mean, it's a much longer show. But yeah. Too bad Hardy wasn't around in 2004. Literally. Greatest performance of all time. Limp Biscuit performing Crack Addict. I was like, at least this is better than Hardy. But honestly, I'd rather see Jeff Hardy's like random shitty solo music than Hardy. Not me. So who's the best? Who was the best like band that performed? Motorhead? Probably Motorhead. I'd say Motorhead. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't think of anybody better than that. I'd say the DX band. (laughs) (laughs) Doing the national anthem. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) They were god awful. Terrible, terrible. Uh, okay, no, I take it. Are we counting the? Are we counting America Beautiful? That's what, that's what I said. America the Beautiful, not whatever it was, but it was bad. Ray Charles, America the Beautiful. Uh, okay. I'm going Willie Nelson, baby. Only nah, because Ray of how Charles he was dressed. Ray Only Charles because of how he was dressed. I thought you were gonna say Ashanti from the one we just covered, but okay. No, man, Willie Nelson's swag was on point, bro. He had that toy Ashanti belt. and Limp Biscuit. And a that's very 2004. Stadium. That's that's Jesus. or 2003. That's very um on brand for the year. That is quite true, quite true. I will say overalls, overalls here on uh, – like I actually did my number rating and the average and everything, and I got to say I was very surprised by this. No shit. It was a dead tie. Really? On the beer rating part, it absolutely was. I think 19 better. Dead. They both hit dead in the fucking middle. So I would say – okay, so for the same reason, I would say WrestleMania 19, belt to bell, much better WrestleMania. For nostalgia storylines, WrestleMania 14, much better WrestleMania. So to me – yeah, you're probably right. Dead center. Dead center. If I have to split the difference and, and do everything, yeah, dead center. All right. I'll, 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 I'll agree with both of you because you hit all the points there. And, uh, yeah, makes sense there. Split the difference right there. Got the triple threat going once again. on The, the triple threat. On the third to last. Boys. We are in the home stretch, guys. I know I've been saying it for a while now, but this is our third to last show, guys. I'm gonna get. I, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you our last show is gonna be a megasode. We've got a lot lined up for that one. Go ahead and like cue it up. It's gonna be a long. It's gonna be hours long. It's gonna be a long show. It's our last show. Um, next week is gonna be nice. It's gonna be a nice trip down memory lane. Um, it's just gonna be me and Wex and Jesse, um, the longest kayfabe crew, and we're just talking about the show. We're going to talk about what the show has done for us and what we loved about the show, what we hated about the show. And it's going to be nitty gritty. Honestly, this is going to be more for the deep fans here. Like the, the second to last show might be for the, uh, the dedicated followers because it's going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm going to come clean with everything. I want to tell you the reasons why we're stopping. I'm going to tell you the reasons why I started it. It's going to be a whole long podcast about 
this show in general, what it's meant to me, everything I've gone through on this show, getting Jesse in um, through a, a stupid Facebook group that we had at one point, and we were friends for years before that through music, and meeting Wex and finding out he had known my brother. It, it's going to be a great episode next week. Be sure to tune in for these next few episodes. They're going to be amazing. I'm really, really excited to to get them to get it done, man. I I, I have. It's such a bittersweet, but mostly sweet. Like I, like most podcasts don't get a chance to actually end and wrap up. They just stop putting out new shows. And I'm really glad that we decided to put a bow on it and have closure with this show. Um, cause the show's meant a lot to me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, there, there will be tears for sure. There's going to be tears at some point in these next two shows, probably on both of the next two shows. But, uh, yeah, that being said, feel free to subscribe. Um, this feed is going to have a lot more coming, coming forward, um, tell your friends. You can always find this version of the show, at least, at Kfabe Comparisons on Facebook and on YouTube, at Kfabe.com on Instagram and Twitter, at Kfabe.com Pod on TikTok. You will forever be able to find your boy, Mr. Know It All, Daniel John Schaefer, at Daniel Daybreak everywhere, literally everywhere. At Daniel Daybreak, it's me. I'm the only one. It's me. Um, yeah, so Wex, where can folks find you? Same thing. You can always find your boy Wex at Wex Breaking the Lawson. Been my nickname since I was like fucking 12 or 13, so it's going to continue to be my name on everything. And yeah, whenever this comes to an end, some more shit will eventually pop off. For but sure. uh, I don't know how long it's going to take, but some something will continue in some form or fashion. For sure. Jesse, give him the script. Yo, you can find me at Jesse Baker on instagram and facebook or jesse baker nash on instagram and twitter jesse baker on facebook as far as it's coming to an end you know i mean i like i'm still just trying to figure out what my next step is in this part of the realm of things outside of everything else that i got going on but something will happen and hopefully we'll uh, be able to communicate that to everybody that's going on through here so just keep that ear out i love it i love you guys for listening to the show it's been five years of my life. I don't regret any of it. I'm very happy. Wax, I love you, dude. I'm glad that you're here. Jesse. I love you. I love you, Jesse. I love, love all you, y'all. Buddy. Love both of y'all for sure. It's just going to be a big old love fest for the next two weeks, man. Be That's sure right. to tune in. It's going to be awesome. We appreciate you. We're out. Peace. Peace. Whoop.